Good morning, Village Church. My name is David Manfred, and as has been mentioned, we serve in the land of Cambodia. And uh, if you're a little rusty, Cambodia is in Southeast Asia. It is a country of about 17 million people, and it's been our privilege to serve there for many years. Uh, as I share this morning, I was taking a walk this morning, and I saw the sign at the church, and uh, the church sign said, Cambodia Explosion. And for those of you who know a little bit about history, that's actually quite appropriate for Cambodia. Uh, there has been a country that's had its more than a share of war and suffering over the years, but we're gonna talk about a different kind of explosion this morning, the explosion of the gospel as Christ's church has been established in that land. I've been privileged to serve as a field director for the Alliance work for the past 20 plus years in the land of Cambodia. So it's been a privilege for me to kind of see firsthand some of what the Lord has done. And as uh, we look at what the Lord has done in Cambodia, I also wanna stop and just to say thank you to you as a village church. This is a church that has been uniquely generous in your prayers and in your giving to the Great Commission Fund. And so as I share stories both this morning and tonight, please realize this isn't Chris and my story. This is really our story, including you as senders and some as goers of the Lord's work in Cambodia. And I want to stand before you and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel to Cambodia and the many other places around the world that the Alliance is serving. A question how many of you like history? Maybe just raise your hand if you're a history. Oh, that's better than most places. So good to see. I, I think as Christians, we should actually be people who love history. The scriptures are actually a book of history. Uh, we see the word remember throughout the scriptures about 300 times. Uh, on your communion table, the words of our Lord, in remembrance of me, whenever it talks about remembering, that's a call to history, isn't it? It's to remember what God has done in years gone by. And there's actually a familiar chapter in the Bible, uh, Hebrews 11, that is really a chapter of history, talking about many of the Old Testament saints, uh, Enoch and uh, Abraham and Isaac and Moses and so many throughout the Old Testament uh, that are reminders of how God has worked through faithful people in history. History is absolutely important. And so this morning I would like to share a little bit from Hebrews 11, but then looking at a little bit of Cambodian history as well. As the scriptures recount those faithful Old Testament saints, it says of them, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they'd have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Revelation reminds us the new Jerusalem city that we're ultimately waiting for. But even the Old Testament saints knew that there was going to be a Messiah, a promised one. They did not see it in their day, but yet God was faithful. And what was it? It says about them, all of these Old Testament saints 
though, comm- uh, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So oftentimes in our Christian life, there is the already but the not yet. And the Old Testament saints, and even New Testament saints, there is this dynamic of what God has already done, what God is doing, but then there's the not yet part that is still ahead. And for the not yet part, he calls us to be people of faith. The familiar definition of faith in Hebrews 11:1 to start it out, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not, and I might even say not yet seen. That is God's call to the Old Testament saints. It's also called to the New Testament saints. It's also the call to us today. And for those Old Testament saints, we oftentimes saw two words before their names in Hebrews 11. It was by faith, by faith, by faith. Well, similar to Hebrews 11, this morning I'd like to share about some Cambodian saints who also lived by faith and many of whom literally gave their lives for the gospel of Jesus, for the gospel to go forward in the land of Cambodia. We're gonna start 100 years ago with a couple that first came. They were the first evangelical missionaries, actually the first Protestant missionaries to come to Cambodia. Arthur and Esther Hammond and David and Muriel Ellison both arrived in 1923. And, uh, they, and it was interesting, we met uh, Janet yesterday, and Janet said as a new missionary going to Indonesia that one of the people that kind of helped mentor her was Arthur and Esther Hammond as they were finishing their career. Uh, they had good counsel for her as a young mom uh, serving uh, in, a, in a faraway land. Well, the Hammonds arrived in 1923. Their work was really devoted primarily to translating the Bible in the Cambodian language. It's still the Bible that most Cambodians use today. It was published in 1954. And it was just a, a beautiful thing for, uh, the, uh, for the people to have the word of God in their own language. And that was the Hammonds' life investment. Uh, about nine months after the Hammonds arrived in Cambodia, this other couple, uh, the Ellisons, arrived. And uh, they started the first Bible school ever in Cambodia. They planted the first evangelical church in Cambodia in a little place called Chkaikon, which literally translates as puppy dog village. Uh, it was the first evangelical church started in the mid-1920s and faithfully served in Cambodia. And uh, David served all the way until 1963 when he passed away from a heart attack in Cambodia and his gravestone is still in Cambodia just outside of the capital of Phnom Penh, faithfully giving their lives for the work of the gospel in Cambodia. Uh, Our first missionary martyrs that came from Cambodia were Ed and Ruth Thompson. The Thompsons arrived in Cambodia in 1954. They were involved in a Cambodian language study, but they had a heart for an ethnic group called the Bunong people. It was a unique ethnic group that was in the far eastern part of Cambodia and the far western part of Vietnam. Uh, the Thompsons were based in a city called Cha. In 1956, they made their first entry to visit with the Bunong people from their town in Cha. And as they went to uh, get to this area, the only way to get there was by elephant. 
And so they had to ride for two days on elephant back to get into, to reach the Burong people. They had an amazing opportunity to begin sharing the gospel, but because it was so distant, they could only go there from time to time. Uh, over the years, as they would go, the roads began to improve, so they were eventually able to get there by Land Rover. And they would share the gospel to this ethnic group, but there was very, very little response to the gospel through their, uh, through their uh, evangelistic efforts. And uh, in 1965, uh, the Cambodian government, as the Vietnam War began to escalate, the Cambodian government closed the door for Western missionaries to stay in Cambodia. And so the Thompsons, uh, seeking God's direction, really felt called to continue to reach the Bunong. And so they decided to move from Cambodia to Vietnam because there were, Viet there were Bunong on the Vietnamese side of the border as well, fully knowing that the Vietnam War was raging, that this was not a safe place for them to be. And actually, on February 1st, 1968, as part of the Tet Offensive, Ed and Ruth Thompson both gave their lives, along with other Alliance missionaries on that day, as a result. And in their faithfulness of serving Christ to reach the Bunong, both in Cambodia for nine years and for three years in Vietnam, they had seen a total of five people come to Christ and gave their lives for, for Jesus. We'll come back to their story in a few minutes. On the Cambodian side of the border, oh, this, was, uh, this was the text that was on the gravestone for the Thompsons, which was actually quite prophetic. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, Jesus says, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Back to Cambodia. So the Alliance had been in Cambodia since 1923, up through 1970, with many, actually, scores of missionaries sent there faithfully preaching the gospel. The number of Christians in Cambodia was only about 1,000 believers. Some considered Cambodia to be a more resistant place than the Arab lands. And so it was hard soil. But then in the 1970s, there were some crusades uh, with a man by the name of Stan Dr. Stanley Muniham working in partnership with the Alliance Mission. He was the president of World Vision and they had these crusades and they began to have gospel response with literally thousands of people coming to Christ. So there was this, this sense that the, the gospel has finally come here and the church grew from 1,000 to 10,000 believers within just a few years. And there was a sense that finally the harvest has come after all the, the sowing through these many, many hard years. Uh, one of the men who came to Christ during that time, his name was Sin Som. And Sin Som was literally on his way to have an affair with another woman. And on the way, he saw a sign that said, the way of peace. The way of peace. They said, wow, I need peace in my life. And so he went to, and it was the Stanley Mooneyham crusade. He heard the gospel. He trusted in Christ, and the Lord began to change his life. And three weeks later, his wife also came to faith in Christ and Jesus. And, and uh, during those, that 1972 to 1975 period, as the Khmer Rouge began to get more and more uh, power and influence in their fight in Cambodia, many Cambodians fled the Khmer Rouge, and they came to the capital city. And Sinsom and his wife had a house that was on the main road, one of the main roads entering into Phnom Penh. 
And as they were, people were flooding in, they began to say, hey, come to our house. You can stay here because nobody had a place to stay. And then God blessed their ministry and they got connected with others and they began to not just open their home, but as more and more people came, they ran out of space and they began to uh, rent other facilities for people to stay in. And over the course of time, there were uh, more than 5,000 people that, were be- that were, uh, received benefit as internally displaced peoples to find a place to stay through their, their ministry. And many of those people started to come to faith in Christ as well as they shared the reason why they were showing this love for the people. And so there were not church buildings available, so they had to think creatively. And one of the places they built was called the Noah's Ark Church because it was an old boat that was, on the, uh, was stuck on the ground and said, well, this could become a church. And that became one of the several churches that were planted during that season as they, uh, they also had a market that they had at their house. They had an infirmary uh, for the sick. Uh, they had education for children, all happening in this period of time. And uh, the, the market became known in the capital city of Phnom Penh as the Jesus market, because that's where all the Jesus people hung out. And so just had this amazing ministry, and in the course of three years, they saw more than 1,000 Cambodians come to Christ through their ministry. Uh, another place that was uniquely special at that time was uh, there was a church that was established called the Wheelchair Church. Well, why was it called the Wheelchair Church? It was called the Wheelchair Church because these were government soldiers that had been fighting against the Khmer Rouge and had been injured, many of them horrifically, losing arms and limbs and legs. And so there were many of them, these government troops, uh, they, would, they were coming to Christ at the Wheelchair Church and growing in faith in him. This was on Easter Sunday, just a few weeks before the country fell to the Khmer Rouge. Two other men, uh, Min Tin Vuan and Tang Chik, were both men very accomplished. Uh, Min Tin Vuan actually uh, got his uh, master's degree in engineering from the University of Georgia in 1968. And while he was studying there, he met an alliance uh, uh, pastor that led him to Christ. And so he began to grow in faith in Christ. He came back to Cambodia, was working uh, for Shell Oil Company very successfully as an engineer. And as he was seeing the gospel response in Cambodia, he knew that God was calling him to be involved in the task for evangelism and discipleship of the people that were coming to Christ. So he left his lucrative role at Shell, uh, became involved with World Vision, and was kind of a lay pastor leading what became the largest church in Phnom Penh uh, before the Khmer Rouge. And he was joined by another man, Tang Chik. Tang Chik was a man who was uh, working on his doctorate degree in England. He had come to Christ years before, was working on his doctorate degree, and he was challenging people in England and Scotland, become missionaries to Cambodia. We, there, there's such a response to the gospel. We need missionaries in Cambodia. And so, the, the, uh, uh, and as he was doing so, and he was praying and asking for the Lord to raise up missionaries, God spoke to his heart and said, well, you've got the language. You know the culture. You go back. And so in 1973, he ended his doctoral studies to come back and became involved with this very significant, growing, dynamic church in Phnom Penh. His last words that were sent out to the mission community before the fall of the country to the Khmer Rouge were, dear friends, 
Do remember us in your prayers as we continue the task during the difficult days ahead. We do need God's great power and wisdom, just as Elijah did. Pray that God will give us the right words as we boldly tell our hurting people about the Lord and his great salvation for them. May God add many more souls to his young church in the Khmer Republic and help it to go stronger until the day of his return. Your servant in the Lord, Cheek. Both of these men, as the Khmer Rouge were coming closer and closer to Phnom Penh, the Alliance missionary team was ordered out of Cambodia uh, uh, before the fall of the Khmer Rouge. They reluctantly obeyed the orders. But and Tang Chik and Mintin Buon both were given opportunity, many opportunities to leave Cambodia by the Alliance and by World Vision and others that said, please come out, you will be targeted if the Khmer Rouge came to come to power. And both men said, our call is to be here with our people and we will serve the Lord no matter what may come. April 17, 1975 is a day that will live in infamy in Cambodia. It was a day when the Khmer Rouge came to power. Khmer Rouge literally means red Cambodians. They were an extreme form of Marxist communists that came into power led by a man by the name of Pol Pot. And on April 17, 1975, they came and took control over Cambodia. The wheelchair church, these were government soldiers. The Khmer Rouge's first target for extermination was anyone connected with the previous regime, the government soldiers. Most of these men were amputees. They didn't stand a chance. Within a few days, everyone in the wheelchair church was killed. Sinsom and his wife and children were, had, were for, forced out of Phnom Penh as the Khmer Rouge forced everyone outside of the capital city. A city of two million people became a city of 30,000 people in two days as everyone was forced out into the countryside. And Sinsom was very well known as a Christian and the Khmer Rouge as Marxist, you know, religion of any kind was considered the opiate of the masses, but particularly the Christians were seen as those that had been influenced by the West. And so the Christians were particularly targeted and Sinsam and his wife and children were within a few days of the fall of the country executed by the Khmer Rouge. Min Tin Vuan and Tang Chik. Also, the last word we heard from Tang Chik was that he was sharing the gospel with a Cambodian as they were all being forced outside of Phnom Penh and was taken to a ditch and was shot dead for his witness for Christ. Min Tuyen Vuan, we don't know what happened to him, just that he's never heard from again. Men and women who love Jesus more than their lives. Within the Alliance churches in Cambodia, there were 44 official pastors and evangelists that were part of the Alliance in 1975. And three and a half years later, during the reign of the Khmer Rouge, uh, 31 out of the 44 gave their lives, either through starvation or because of the gospel of Christ. These are their names. You don't know these people, you've never seen or heard from them, but I just want to honor them. And they represent, and they represent not just them, themselves and their wives, but they represent the Cambodian church of 1975 that numbered 10,000 believers. And the best estimates we have is that about 
8,000 gave their lives during the Khmer Rouge regime. Four out of five died. To put that in perspective in this auditorium, if you were a believer in Cambodia in 1975, three and a half years later, the only people who would be alive would be the people in this section. Everyone else would have died. 80% martyrdom. And the number of believers had been 10,000 by 1979. It was 2,000. And there was a question that I think everyone had. God, what are you doing here? We thought that the harvest has come and the harvest was lost. How, God, in your sovereignty, what in the world are you doing? After all these years of missionary effort, finally seeing the church begin to flourish and then being decimated in this horrific way, these faithful saints that could have done so much more for the building of your kingdom, gone to eternity, gone from this world. The ancient church father, Tertullian, said the blood of the Christians is seed. And it's been more commonly known today as the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And indeed, God in his sovereignty and his faithfulness was faithful to build his church, not in the way that maybe people had anticipated, but very much in the ways that were significant for the building of the kingdom. Cambodians, uh, who kicked the Khmer Rouge out of power? It's an ironic savior on a human level. The Vietnamese communists kicked out the Khmer Rouge communists in 1979. Vietnamese communists were a kinder and gentler form of communists. They didn't just execute people immediately. And so many Cambodians were also allowed to flee Cambodia, and many of them went to refugee camps. And those of you who have some background in the Alliance, that's where Kama Service was actually born in the refugee camps of Southeast Asia as the Alliance began to serve the needs of these refugees. We had uh, former missionaries, this is Marie Enns, uh, who were missionaries to Cambodia, began to go there. And there were some Cambodian pastors that survived. And they began to share the good news of Jesus in those refugee camps. And Kama Services sent many, many workers, primarily working in medical work, but other ways, but helping in very practical ways, but also sharing the gospel as they did so. And the Church of Cambodia was reborn in those refugee camps, primarily in Thailand. As Cambodians came to Christ, uh, Cambodia is officially a Buddhist country. And they had said, you know, uh, the Buddhists believe in karma. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. And here they'd received a lot of bad, and they're saying, why? Why have we, we've tried to be good Buddhists. There must be something different. There must be another way. And after the horrors and the trauma of the Khmer Rouge, God literally opened the hearts of Cambodians to the new way that is Jesus. Through the ministry of the refugee camps, they were eventually closed in the year 1993, and Cambodians began to flood back. God replaced the harvest that they had in 1975 and doubled it, so that by 1995, the Cambodian church numbered about 20,000 believers, 10 times growth since the time of the Khmer Rouge. And it was exciting to see the Lord at work, and we were privileged to come to Cambodia in 1995, and, and just to see the Lord continue to work, we need to tell the rest of the story uh, by changing the scale here. It's the same 20,000 believers by 1995, and to the glory of God, the church in Cambodia has now grown to about 300,000 believers. 
Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A few years ago, Christianity Today, their lead article was about what the Lord has been doing in Cambodia. It was illegal to be a Christian in Cambodia until 1990 and how the church went from an underground church to a church planting boom. Uh, You remember the story of the Thompsons? Let me tell you the rest of the story. When they died, you remember how many believers they led to Christ when they died in 1968? Five. Well, the Bonong believers, it's called the Bonong ethnic group in Vietnam, they saw the sacrifice of the missionaries and said, wow, they're willing to give their lives for this. There must be truth in this. And so the Bonong on the Vietnamese side of the border began coming to faith in Christ. And beginning uh, families began growing in faith. And, and then as the Khmer Rouge came to power in Cambodia, they began to persecute the Bonong. They left Cambodia to go to Vietnam. And there they heard the gospel. Today, amongst the, the, the uh, Bonong uh, people groups in both Vietnam and Cambodia, there are more than 30,000 believers. In Vietnam, 50% of the Bonong are believers in Jesus. In the Cambodian side of the border, 20% of Bonong our believers in Jesus. And it's a reminder of God's faithfulness to his word that when that grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The Lord is faithful to build his church. This past January, we had a large centennial gospel celebration. I was held uh, to remember the 100 years of the gospel being in Cambodia. And it wasn't just the alliance that celebrated, it was all the evangelicals. We have many Korean Presbyterians and other forms of evangelicals that are serving in Cambodia, uh, many independent evangelical churches along with the alliance work in Cambodia. And it was a joint celebration by the entire church to celebrate God's faithfulness in history for 100 years to bring the gospel, to give thanks to God for the faithful saints and martyrs that on whose shoulders we've been standing as the Lord has built his church and also to look forward to the next century as the Lord tarries to continue to see the the number of people uh, coming to faith in Cambodia to continue to grow. As a part of that three-day celebration, there was a memorial plaque that was uh, put up for both the Hammonds and the Ellisons to say, thank you, Lord, for these faithful servants. And I had a Cambodian pastor, not from the Alliance, who just reminded us all that, wow, this started with just two families. 100 years ago, there was nobody who knew Jesus. And it started with two families that were faithful to go. And then many others, of course, that both went and shared and spread. And of course, God's faithfulness to build his kingdom amongst the peoples of Cambodia. We had uh, uh, days of celebration with a large stage in the center of Phnom Penh, the very heart of the city. And uh, for the 100-year gospel celebration with uh, performances done and worship and praise to the glory of God. And it was even written up in Christianity Today again as, uh, as we celebrated the 100 years of gospel access in the land of Cambodia. And as they joined together over the course of those days, 35,000 Cambodians joined in 
to celebrate. It was uh, one of the, uh, the largest Christian celebrations by far in the history of the church in Cambodia. And it was such a, a joy to me at the closing night, there was this time of worship, kind of Cambodians holding up their cell phones with their lights on. It was just a reminder how the light has come into the darkness because Jesus is faithful to build his church and the gates of hell have not prevailed against it. Uh, there was a history tent where Cambodians could go and just be reminded of the stories of God's faithful saints that have gone before and to give thanks to God for their life and service. Uh, on the opening day, this was quite remarkable, on the opening day of the 100th anniversary celebration, the prime minister of Cambodia, the equivalent of our president, came and made very helpful comments about the value that Christians have brought to this officially Buddhist country and talking about the importance of religious freedom. And there were probably about 10,000 people that heard the prime minister speak in person. There were half a million that watched online. And it was required that all government religious leaders had to watch this message, which will actually continue to give us great freedom in Cambodia uh, in the years ahead. At the closing ceremony of the 100th anniversary, the man who is the prime minister designate was there at the closing ceremony, and he also made comments expressing appreciation for the work of Christians in the country. And as a part of the closing ceremony with this prime minister designate in front of the thousands that had gathered there, uh, they invited two special guests. The man standing behind the wheelchair, his name is Jim Hammond. He's the grandson of Arthur and Esther Hammond that came. And in the wheelchair, is Helen Ellison Ellenberger. Some of you might know John and Helen Ellenberger served with the Alliance for years in Indonesia, faithful, godly saints. Well, Helen Ellison is the daughter of the Ellisons who were the second missionary couple to Cam Cambodia. She's 90 years old. And here she is being greeted and welcomed by the prime minister designate in honor of what the Lord has done to establish his church in Cambodia. And, and you know, through the, the magic of cut and paste, I, I just kind of put this together because I think it's a reminder of God's faithfulness. We have the Hammonds in 1923 hearing the call and the Ellisons in 1923 hearing the call. And here we stand 100 years later being welcomed by the highest levels of the Cambodian governments with thanks for the good news of Jesus coming to their land. Only Jesus can do such things in a country. Just north of Phnom Penh, the Cambodian government built a monument. It's kind of the, the equivalent of the Washington Monument, if you will, in this obelisk. And over the front door of this large monument, they have this amazing, amazing image in this officially Buddhist country. And the amazing image is this. It's an open Bible and a cross and a dove. The Cambodian government saying, thank you Christians for helping us to rebuild Cambodia from the Khmer Rouge. And we guarantee we will give you religious freedom. You would not see a monument like that built by the US government, I'm afraid. <laughs> but here in Buddhist Cambodia, they are saying, thank you, Jesus, for sending your people to our land and being a blessing. 
to the glory of God, he is, built, he is building his church in Cambodia. And of course, the work, 300,000, that's encouraging. That's still less than 2% of Cambodians trust in Jesus. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Tonight, I'll be sharing a bit more about some of the things that God has been doing, literally miracles that the Lord has been doing in very recent years, in the last five years. Uh, some of the ways we see him at work. Um, we'll be sharing about that tonight. I'd just like to also mention briefly, if any of you be interested in getting one of our prayer cards and signing up for a monthly email, feel free to do so at the back table. But it's not about us, it's about him. And he is faithful to build his church. You know, we have these faithful saints, these people that have gone before us that literally gave their lives for Jesus. And we stand today on incredibly broad shoulders. God is honoring their faith and is building his church even after they're gone. And you know, isn't that a great reminder for each of us? That as we're faithful to Jesus, he's not limited by our death. He can continue to make an impact even beyond as for the things that we commit unto him. Hebrews 11 gives way to Hebrews 12. And Hebrews uh, 12 begins with a very important word, and the word is therefore. Therefore, and that connects these Old Testament saints with what God was want to says here in Hebrews chapter 12. And as we look at uh, the Old Testament saints of Hebrews 11, as we look at the Cambodian saints who gave their lives for Christ, as we look at the people in our own lives that have impacted us through their life and faith, we come to this, therefore, what, what should we do about it? And Hebrews 12 reminds us, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Well, the only way to do that is to trust in Jesus, right? And if anyone here has not yet made that commitment, that decision to trust in Jesus, either here in this auditorium or online, I invite you to make a decision that will change your eternity. And that is to trust in Jesus Christ alone, to forgive you of your sins, to get rid of those, those weights of sin and trust in him alone through his sacrificial death and resurrection to give you the hope of eternal life so that even when that day of death comes that you may know him for eternity. There is no greater privilege than knowing the living God and becoming his child. And it just is a step of faith by faith. By faith, by faith. If you haven't made that decision, I would invite you, I'd encourage you to make the best decision of your life and to trust in Jesus alone. Goes on to say, and this is an admonition for us who are believers, to run with endurance the race that is set before us. I think Chris and I could learn a lot from you guys about what it means to run with perseverance, the race that is set before us. And I, the, the challenge of scripture is don't stop. Continue to being investing in your community, in your life. Invest in purpose through your prayers and your giving as you have done. Continue to do so. You have within your Shell Point community many people who do not yet know Jesus. How can the Lord work through you through friendship, through love and grace to touch your community for Christ. Run with endurance the race that is set before. You're not done yet. Maybe the best is yet to come. And then finally, the great admonition. Therefore, because of all the faithfulness we've seen in the past, let us look to Jesus, 
the author and perfecter of our faith. In all of this, that's the answer. Whatever your situation in life is right now, look to Jesus. That is the answer. He is the author. He is the perfecter of your faith. The blood of the martyrs is a seed of the church. And it's only that because Jesus is alive. And he's alive for us right now. Thank you again, brothers and sisters at Village Church, for being our partners. This isn't our ministry. It's our ministry. As you pray, as you have faithfully given sacrificially to see the gospel, go to places like Cambodia and the other places where they do not yet have access to the good news of Jesus. Thank you for your partnership and continue to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen.